This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Okay, you know what? It's a big week, so guess what? You get another episode of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Evan Jenkins. And today, it's going to be primarily a focus on the University of Michigan. So, what we're going to do is, you know, we're two Spartans. What the hell do we know about Michigan? I'm going to go and get an insider. I'm going to go and get a guy that I respect. And the reason why I respect him is because Brandon Brown, and that's who we're bringing in, Brandon put his uh, boots on the ground. Brandon was at places. Brandon, I would see him back in the day on the recruiting trail. I know that he's not just sitting behind some desk someplace. He's actually out there in the world gathering information the man knows what he's talking about. He's the publisher of Wolverine Digest of Sports Illustrated, and he's going to be joining us right now on the Five Star Zone. So, Brandon, as I've, I, I said in the introduction, I really respect what you have to say. You've been covering the Wolverines for years. You and I used to pass each other at different recruiting things, watching high school games. So I've always respected what you had to say because you were a guy who actually put boots on the ground you weren't just one of those people sitting behind a desk watching highlight films. You know what you're talking about, especially when it comes to the Michigan Wolverines. So, a lot of things have happened for Michigan in this past week. They went from losing a defensive coordinator to possibly gaining one in a few years. Uh, what can you tell us about the whole saga with, with Mo Linquist and, and you know why he left and, and then how they recuperated with Steve Klinksdale? Yeah, it's it was weird. I mean, to, to say the least, it was obvious. Well, thank, first of all, Rico, thank you for the compliments. I appreciate that, and the feeling is mutual. Um, but yeah, the 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 linguist stuff was just weird. I mean, like when, when so when Michigan hired him, I wasn't over the moon about it. I mean, he, he, everything I read was good. He came from the NFL. He had some some decent stops in college. I was like, okay, th- this is this is a, a solid hire. I wasn't like, oh man, he's a game changer. He's amazing. But it was a it was a decent hire on the surface on paper, and then you know as he as he got comfortable at Michigan and he kind of locked down Will Johnson and I started hearing more and more buzz about him as a recruiter and I started to look a little bit deeper into what he was able to do with some of the cornerback stops that he had before. I just, I upgraded it a little bit to a to a pretty good hire. Like this was a good hire, and let's be very clear, I don't feel that way about every hire that Jim Harbaugh made this offseason. There's several guys on that staff that I think. I, I just don't really I don't really get it. So, Linguist was a good one. He was one of those good hires, and then now here it is, three and a half months into his stay, and he's he's taking the head coaching job at Buffalo. I mean, you can't blame him at all. I mean, he's a young guy. He's got a chance to to be a head coach at a school that he was at before, and he he's going to get a chance to run his own program. I mean, that's what all that's what all young coaches are trying to do. Buffalo's a a pretty good program in the MAC. Uh, if he does well there, it'll be a stepping stone to a Power 5 job. So, like, you can't fault him one bit. But at, at the end of the day, it just looked weird. It looked strange. It wasn't a good development for Michigan. I mean, you've got a guy who is a good recruiter. 
He was a co-defensive coordinator, so he had his hands all over the new defense that was being installed. And, you know, 100 days into his job, he's gone. So it just wasn't good. Now, officially, as of just a little bit ago, actually, Michigan has replaced him with Steve Klinkscale, which is... Well, hold on. Before, before we get to Klinkscale, did, did Michigan know this was going to happen, or, or did this catch them by surprise? I mean, you'd have to assume it caught him by surprise. I mean, they were willing. They were getting ready to pay this. They were getting ready to pay linguist six hundred and eighty grand a year, and they had that co-defensive coordinator label on his title. I mean, you, you don't bring a guy in, you know, pay him that much, give him that much responsibility, put him out there on some of your top targets at the position that he coaches, with with an even even a little bit of a thought that he could be gone in three and a half months. But it's. It's just kind of weird how it all played out. This isn't typically the time that co- that coaching vacancies are available. So it was, you know, it was weird for for Buffalo to have to be looking for a head coach. It was weird for one of Michigan's candidate or Michigan's assistants to be a candidate for a head coaching job. So, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't call it like an indictment on Jim Harbaugh, but I wouldn't be surprised if like this discussion never even really took place because it's just not very common. It's just not very typical for a job to be open right now and and for it to kind of play out the way that it did. It just, you know, for, from a purely from a Michigan standpoint, it was just unfortunate that a job opened up at a school where one of their newly hired assistants had ties to and he became a leading candidate within a matter of a day or two. And obviously he got the job and he's already there and taking pictures with the team and everything. And so it was just an unfortunate, it was just an unfortunate way that it played out for Michigan while being a, a really good opportunity for linguists at the same time. Uh, Brandon, uh, uh, my uh, producer, Evan, has a question. He's with me on this podcast. Evan Jenkins. Evan, go ahead. Yeah, with Lindquist coming in and had spring ball and everything, I'm sure he put his hands on that defense and what he wanted to see. How much is that going to change for Michigan now that he's gone? Do you think they'll still adopt what he was bringing? Yeah, I don't. Th- this, is, <clears throat> this is something I've gotten some mixed reviews on because I was always under the impression – that it, excuse me, that it was Mike McDonald's defense. He was, he was hired first, so he was brought in as the defensive coordinator from Baltimore, and then when they hired Linguist, they put the co-defensive coordinator tag on him. So I, I personally don't think it's going to be much different from what, what everybody did during spring ball to what it's going to look like in the fall. However, I mean, you did have a guy who was actively involved in putting the schemes together, obviously was very involved in what the cornerbacks were doing and what the coverages were looking like and, you know, maybe the verbiage back there. I don't, I don't really think that's going to change, but it's still going to be a new guy doing all that stuff whenever he gets to be, you know, with his players again, which isn't going to be until like four weeks before the first game or whatever it is. So it's, it's just not an ideal situation. I, I don't think it's going to change much. I think the players are going to be fine with what they learned and what they're going to be asked to do and, you know, the, the terminology and the calls, and I don't think that's going to be any different, but they are going to be getting it from somebody else, and I'm sure Steve Klingscale is going to want to put his own little spin on some things back there. I mean, the, you know, all these coaches bring their own their own knowledge, their own experience to the table, and Klingscale's got quite a bit. He's been a defensive coordinator before, too, so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I actually don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but you'd, you'd rather not do it than, than do it. And just the kids that are learning from him, how big of an effect will it have on, on those young men that are sitting here learning from a coach, buying into a coach, and then they see the coach leave, and let's say Clinksdale maybe brings something that they don't agree with? Do you think it will affect the kids at all? I think it's like I just said. I, I think it's it's not ideal. You'd rather right. not have to do it than do it. But in the grand scheme, I, I really don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. I don't think – I mean, look – <laughs> the unit wasn't that great last year. So I think a change in scenery with a new coach, first it was linguist, now it's Klingscale, new defensive coordinator. I expect a lot more zone. The whole base of the defense appears to be changing. I think I think it was time for a change, and I think everybody's you know, somewhat excited about learning something new and doing something different. And I really, I just really don't think it's going to be that much of a negative in terms of, what you just said. I mean, yeah, it's somebody different, but I mean, Klingscale has a, a really good reputation. He's a good coach. Uh, he's going to be able to connect with kids. We've heard that a lot about him at his, t- at his time at Kentucky. So I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be as big of a, I don't think it's going to be some big negative blow, but it's, it's not, you'd, you'd rather have continuity. I mean, that's the, that's, that's true with, with coaching staffs going back to the beginning of time. Continuity is better 
than than over overhauling the whole the whole staff. I mean, it's always been that way. Talking with Brandon Brown, publisher of Wolverine Digest of Sports Illustrated, kind enough to join us here on the Five Star Zone, Brandon. So now Michigan goes out and. They're only without a coach for a few days. They make a couple of phone calls. I'm assuming Jim Harbaugh is working behind the scenes. Next thing you know, it looks as if they pull off a coup in getting and or stealing, you know, Steve Klinksdale coming to Michigan. Look deemed to be like one of the hottest young coaches in the college football game. Excellent recruiter. Man, how did this happen? And how did it happen so fast? And I guess the other question, well, how did it happen? How did it happen so fast? Yeah, I mean, it's. I agree with you. It is a coup. I mean, look, I've been very critical of Jim Harbaugh. I thought he should have been fired after last year. Um, I don't like. I, I, I. That might be a little too strong. I question several of the hires that he made this off season. I. It's too early to say I don't like them. We'll see what it looks like. But I question several of them. There's no question on this one. I mean, this was a. This was the guy. This was the guy that you go out and get. Michigan made a run at him before. Rico, I know you know. Michigan State made a strong run at this guy. This is a guy who's recruited very well in the state of Michigan. He's an Ohio guy. He has coordinator experience. He's he's in his early 40s. He connects really well with kids and families. I mean, he checks every single box that you want, and it, it, it's an upgrade. I mean, it, that's not a knock on Mo Linguist because, like I said, I I was kind of like a man. He's, he looks pretty good when he got hired, and then I think he was ascending up, and then he left, and now you've got clink scale, and I think it's an upgrade. So, it's a feather in the cap for Jim Harbaugh when there haven't been many of those over the last handful of months. So, yeah, how it happened so quickly is a little bit of a surprise. But I think, and from what I've been told, is that he was, because Michigan did make a run at him before, Klinkscale is now much more comfortable and much more, uh, much more excited about the makeup of the staff now versus several months ago. I mean, you think about it. I mean, these guys are closer to his age. There's more diversity on the staff now. I mean, before... Clink scale was going to have to go in the war room and try to hammer things out with Don Brown, Bob Shoup, and Matt Dudek when it came to recruiting. Now he's going to go in these war rooms and sit down with a 33-year-old Mike McDonald, Ron Bellamy, and Courtney Morgan, who's running the, court, the recruiting department. So guys that he can relate with better, guys that he's closer to in age, and I just think like at the end of the day he just saw a good opportunity. I'm sure he's – I think the terms might have been in the release today or they will be, they will be available – very very soon i would assume he got a raise i mean it just it just fit better now than it did even a couple of months ago and i think that's why they were able to pull it off yeah that was my question is if, if he was your guy why didn't you just go and get him the first time instead of bringing in uh Linquist? but i mean you, you answered the question the room he felt more comfortable in the room so now he's here is he just a safeties coach or you know i guess what's going to be his position there so the, the official release has named him defensive passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of responsibility in the title, and I think, I think there's going to be potentially the opportunity for him to be in the D.C. role, depending on what happens with Mike McDonald, or maybe it's another, another co-defensive coordinator situation like it was with Linguist. But, you know, this, this is, again, like, it's, it's a lot of newness on that staff and, and how – you know, how involved is he with Ron Bellamy and the safeties and the corners at the same time, and then also Mike McDonald, who's never been a defensive coordinator before. So I think he's going to do a lot. I mean, and I think that's what he that's what he should do. You should give him a lot of responsibility because he's done it before. I love I love Ron Bellamy to death. I mean, I've dealt with him a lot as, as a person who covered recruiting. I think he's a, an awesome dude, a stand-up guy, but he's never coached in college before. And Mike McDonald... I've heard a lot of really good things about him. Smart guy, you know, really, really gets after it. Good energy. He's never been a defensive coordinator before, so no, I, I call him Doogie Hauser because it seems like he's just so young. <laughs> for those yeah, who get I that mean, reference, yeah, it's like because I look at this, Brandon. There's a lot of young guys, and, and I'm sure you got a lot of spirit, but in the end, yeah, who's calling the defense and who's picking the defense? It's like at least with Don Brown, you knew he had been around. He had been around the block a few times. I right. look at the defense now, and it's just it just looks like a young think tank. Yeah, and, and I, I've said this on, on, on my own platform, on my own podcast. I've written about it. I, I typically love giving young, fresh, innovative thinkers a shot. I, I, I like that approach. Maybe it's because I myself am in my mid-30s, and I just think that's 
a good way to go. I mean, no, I that's, that's your problem people. right there. You don't know anything <laughs> in your 30s, but go ahead. Hey. So, <laughs> I, I think about some of these old coaches who are in their mid to late 60s, and I'm like, dude, I know they've been doing it a long time, but, like, they're not thinking about things the way that you need to think about it nowadays. It's just it's it's painfully obvious in some cases. And like you said, you knew what you were getting with Don Brown. I mean, that dude could call a game in his sleep. Might not be the best game called, but he could do it in his sleep. And so I like the idea of giving young up-and-comers a shot. I just think Michigan's doing it too much all at once. Like you said, you've got this young think tank who might have some really good ideas, but what is it? what does it manifest itself like on the field and how does it look and – you know with young guys doing jobs for the first time, there's going to be bumps in the road. What happens when all six or seven of the new guys have bumps in the road at the same time? Because I, I seriously think that's a possibility. So, again, I, I like a lot of what I'm hearing about most of these guys, but it just seems to me like you're just really hoping that a lot of it clicks and works when there's a pretty good chance that it, it might not. Now, everything that you see about Clinksdale is that, you know, he, he's – rising up and, and he gets everything that he that he's doing but w- why do they hesitate without naming him a co-defensive coordinator and when the reports came out it was with uh, a chance to become the defensive coordinator what what's the hesitation with that is it just the fact that mcdonald has already been there doing it and they just want to let him go yeah i'm not really sure i, I i'll be 100 percent honest i'm not sure because they had that they had that co-defensive coordinator title on Linguist, and, it, I mean, Clink Scale's more qualified to have it. And so it's, it's a little strange. I mean, I don't, maybe it is, you know, maybe they sat down and had a discussion with McDonald when Linguist left and said, like, look, th- this is now your thing. You're, you're the D.C. You're going to be our D.C. Let's, let's go get it. And then all of a sudden they say, like, whoa, we might really be able to pull Clink Scale in this time. Let's not take that away from McDonald when we just told him about it a couple of days ago. I, I don't know that that's what happened. But I, but I'm with you. It's a little bit it's a little bit confusing that linguist had that co-title and and Klingscale does not when he's probably more qualified to have it. So at the end of the day, I don't really know if it matters that much. Right. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of instances on the sideline during a game where if you've got co-coordinators, they're fighting over who gets to make the call. I don't think it goes that way. So I think I think the game planning leading up to, to the week of of the game and what's going on at practice is far more important than the title on on a piece of paper or outside of the office. But, I, again, I, I, I really think that Klingscale is going to have a lot of say in what goes on in that defense because he is now, I mean, at 42 or 43 years old, he might be the oldest coach on the staff, which is which is crazy to think about with, with how it looked last year. That's true. Talking with Brandon Brown. Brandon, I, I guess for me it was how did they manage to, to lure him away from Kentucky, a comfortable spot in the SEC, you know, he was writing his his own he was writing his own thing there, and they lure him to Michigan, and a Michigan program that's had turnover, and and you had a coach that publicly basically had his salary reduced in half. It looks as if things aren't going great for him. Why why do you think that he wanted to hitch his wagon to Harbaugh this upcoming season, knowing that the contract got renegotiated and? It's just not looking as well as it did a few years ago. Yeah, my opinion on that is that, because I agree with you, I mean, when when his name first popped up, I was like, they're not going to get him. I, I mean, he's an established coach. He's got a track record. He's climbing. I don't. Why would he want to come coach with Jim Harbaugh right now? Because it just doesn't look that good. I mean, whether you think Harbaugh is going to bounce back this year or not, if you're the biggest Jim Harbaugh fan in the world and you think he can turn it around in year seven and, and absolutely kill it, I mean, I, I, it, 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 like you said, the contract is enough to make you look at it and be like, nah, I don't really know if I want to mess with that right, right. now. My thought is Steve Klingscale is betting on himself a little bit in that he knows how good he is and what his reputation is. And even if this is Jim Harbaugh's last year in Ann Arbor, he would be a very, very strong candidate to be retained by whoever comes in next. I think there are a couple of coaches on Michigan staff who are in that boat Klingscale now would be one. I think Mike Hart is another, and I think Sharon Moore is is the third one. And you could you could make a you could look a little bit at Ron Bellamy. I mean, like I said, I've, I've I would praise him up and down. He's just he just doesn't have any experience. I mean, I, Rico, I know you know Coach Bell well too. There, there's you, there's nothing to not like about that guy, right. but it's just he hasn't done it before. So I think 
I think that's one of the reasons. I think. See, but I yeah, think see, I, thinking, but see, I got Bellamy. You know, you're given an opportunity to leave high school and go coach college. By all means, you got a family. That's your alma mater too. Get the hell out of here, yeah. Mike Hart. Right. I understand. It's that whole mama's calling you. You got to come home. But I was just like, because I'm looking at it like, um, if you're Clingsdale, I mean, this every. I, I, I thought about it like everybody could get fired, but then I got to thinking, and Brandon, maybe you, you agree with me. In the event that worst case scenario and everybody gets fired, the next coach is going to say, everybody can pack their stuff up, but you, Clinksdale, you stay for a second. I need to talk to you. You still have yeah. a job here. And I think that's I think that's completely reasonable given his reputation uh, as a recruiter, how good he's recruited in Michigan, even while he was at a place like Kentucky his roots in Ohio, uh, his age, I mean, all of it. It, it just all, it all makes sense. Again, I, I haven't heard that from anybody who knows for sure, but when, when all this stuff kind of go, you know, starts swirling around like it is and you lose a, you lose a pretty good guy in Linguist and a couple days later you maybe have an even better one in Clink Scale, you start thinking about why. Because I, I, I'm 100% open and honest, I didn't think they'd get him. I really didn't. I didn't think he would come for the same reasons you just outlined about Jim Harbaugh and what might happen in the, in the near future. So that has to be part of the, part of the thought process. And it's, and just, if it's not Michigan, it'll be somebody. I mean, like that dude could have went to a lot of places. I said this yesterday when I was on with Jamie Morris, he's clink scale is a good enough coach to where anytime anybody had an opening in the secondary on their defensive staff, like his name was probably talked about. So if it is just a one-year pit stop at Michigan and things do crumble and fall apart, he's not going to go. With, he's not going to be without a job, and I, I think that's, you know, he's got enough confidence confidence in himself to be to be fine with the current situation and, and try something else out that could end up being pretty good for him. No, you're right, Dan, uh, Dan Tonio. Mel Tucker, <laughs> Mel Tucker went after him, and uh, he sw- he swung and missed. So yeah, he brought in Harlan Barnett, so I think state fans are okay with that. Yeah, and and you talk about recruiting, and I'm 37, so my entire life, Michigan has always recruited well. But what can he do to bring a certain kid to the University of Michigan? And also, how much will he, like, recruit transfers? Because that's going to be a big deal going forward. Yeah, the the transfer thing is certainly an interesting one i mean it because right now it's it's going the other way kids are leaving michigan much more often than they're coming in um that's a loaded question man it is because you're right michigan has a, I'm, I'm a year i'm i'll be 37 next month so i'm right there with you michigan has always recruited well recruiting's never been the problem at michigan so while i do think steve Cleanscale is a phenomenal recruiter he's proven that out during his time at kentucky how he goes about it i mean Rico can can tell you this. I mean, I covered recruiting exclusively for six or seven years. I'd be looking at these these young kids in ninth, tenth, eleventh, you know, ninth and tenth grade in particular. Kind of, you know, Michigan gets involved or sends a coach to see him or gives an early offer out, and you look at their at their profile page, and they already got an offer from Kentucky. Like they're like Clinkscale was offering kids in the state of Michigan when they were in seventh and eighth grade, like pretty regularly. Okay. So he's a guy who really gets after it on the trail. He knows. You know, as we sit right now, he knows about the 2025s. He knows about some big time 2026s. Like he's he is into it, man. That's that's his wheelhouse. He really excels there. So, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think that even though he's such a good recruiter, I, it's not going to like completely overhaul what Michigan's already been able to do. They've always recruited well. They've always been able to get multiple multiple four stars, a sprinkling of a five star here and there. And, you know, full classes of, you know, top 10, top 12 national ranked groups. So I think he's going to be really good as a recruiter, but I don't know if it's all of a sudden going to, going to skyrocket what Michigan does because they've, they've just been pretty damn good already. As like you said, our, our whole lives pretty much. And, and I think you did hit it right on the head, the, the looking forward at the recruits when they're younger. And I think that might be what it is because maybe, and this is just from the outside looking in, I don't go to Michigan practices, I don't talk to the coaches or anything like that, but sometimes I feel they go after a kid once he's already gotten to that point, a four- or five-star kid, then they offer. So that might be it is where they go after a kid young 
and you build that relationship early on, and you're like, hey, he was recruiting me when I was 14 years old. Right. I have a relationship with him. I think that's exactly what it is. So I'm glad that I asked that question because I never – I was too narrow-minded when I was looking at recruiting. You look at the kids that are already there. But that's oh. a great point that you made, Brandon. Yeah, it starts early in the game. I, and I never really thought yeah. about it that way because you're right. In basketball, I see it because you can see these kids excel. But in football, a 14-year-old boy is Evan, not what you're going to see his senior year in high school. Now, Evan, I, I remember years ago, man, like, you know, hanging out with Curtis Blackwell, and he would introduce me to a, a seventh grader and say, keep your <laughs> eye on this guy. He's going to yep. be pretty good. And sure enough, he goes and boom, boom, boom. And uh, who's the kid from Belleville that just went to Alabama, Brandon? Um, Damon Payne. Yeah, Damon Payne. Yeah, Damon yep. Payne, sixth grader. It was wow. like, yeah, Damon Payne's going to be good. I mean, I remember when he when he pointed out Kyrie Willis to me and said, yeah, this guy's going to be good. I mean, he's in the pros right now. Okay, so now it makes sense because that is a special talent to notice these kids and also realize they're going to grow or they may not grow. Well, it also double-sided. I remember, uh, Brandon, I don't know if you were there. We were at uh, the Midwest Elite Camp, and this big freshman walks through the door, and it's Malik McDowell, and we can't find his name on the program, and like, who the hell is this kid? And we thought he was a senior. <laughs> He's a freshman. Yeah. yeah. Freshman. So, all right. Yeah, no, you, you you definitely see it both ways. I mean, sometimes a kid is all world as an eighth grader getting ready to start high school, and he doesn't get any bigger, stronger, or faster. He just peaked early. I mean, yep. it goes both ways, but you, you've got to be willing to grind and look at and look at all of that and, and start those relationships because it is really important. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying – man, that kid looks like he's going to be really good. You form a relationship with him, you follow him, you follow him, and then he doesn't pan out. Like, that, okay, that, that's fine. That doesn't hurt you. But if you, if you do the opposite, if, if you don't identify those kids early and you try to get in late, it's often too late. Yeah, unless you're Nick Saban, you ain't getting in. Yeah. No, I'm right. so glad I asked that because, I, like I said, I've never looked at it that way, but that's brilliant, and yeah. that's why these guys get paid the big bucks. Talking with Brandon Brown. Brandon, before we get into the, the – what – is the serious topic. This probably would have been a serious topic, but we've been talking about, you know, bringing in these new coaches. When you look at Jim Harbaugh and the contract restructuring, I, I guess what is acceptable for him this year, this upcoming season, that he will be granted an additional season? What are we looking at here? It, it's the same thing that's been, that's been the goal and what should have been acceptable since the day he was hired. It's to be competitive and beat Ohio State once in a while. I mean, you're not going to beat them every year. They're really freaking good. But you gotta, you can't get blown out by them. You certainly can't lose by 40 to Wisconsin. You certainly can't lose by 20 to Indiana. You can't lose to that Michigan State team last year. I mean, you've got it's nothing's changed. I don't care what last year looked like. I don't care that it's coming off of a COVID year. I don't care. I don't care. He was hired to do far better than he's done, period. So, so Evan, so, you heard it here first. Brandon Brown says Jim Harwell will be fired at the end of the year. <laughs> Breaking I news. I, I think it's his last year. I, I mean, I thought I thought last year should have been. I mean, and, how did, you know, he, how did he, he manage to come back? It's, it's mind-blowing to me. Because they didn't lose by 60 to Ohio State. That's why. Because they didn't play. I mean, <laughs> that's why. I mean, because if, if, they had, if they had played that game, it would have been really ugly and I don't think there's any way you can bring him back. And, you know. Go ahead. It's, it obviously isn't. I mean, you don't have to look any further than the numbers to understand where the thought process is. His salary was cut in half, and the buyout is essentially erased. I mean, it's still there, but it's nowhere near as big as it was. And it gets even smaller uh, after, or it gets smaller every year. So. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, like the, the original question was, what would he have to do? He, the, it, you could have asked me that question at the start of every single season he's been there. I mean, Ohio State sometimes play in the Big Ten championship, be in the playoff picture. That's, a, that's, what it should have, that's what it was when he was hired. That's what it still is. You don't, like, the expectations shouldn't change just because you haven't been very good. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, I, I don't know. So that, that's where I've always been. Like, I don't think they're going to. To do any of those things this year, so I'll be in the same boat that I'm in that I'm in right now. Yeah, yeah, because somehow I don't think you're going to be beating Ohio State. I don't think you're going uh, yeah. to Indianapolis this year. And then, the, I guess when I look at the NFL draft, and I, 
I see all the players, ones that made 18 players in the last two years getting drafted. I see the guys that were on, like Benjamin St. Juice and, and uh, James Hudson. They leave. They make it into the draft. You had talent. Like, what happened? I mean, I see Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I got to be honest, I thought maybe he was a guy that just peaked in high school. He was okay in college, but he gets to the pros. I'm like, oh, wow, this, he's pretty good with the Cleveland Browns. Once they gave him playing time, he really excelled, and he showed I mean, everything that he I expect the same been. with Nico Collins, except for he got put in the witness relocation program, and he's playing for the Houston, yeah, Texas, so yeah. his career is pretty much over. And it's not a, it's not him. I always liked him. I, mean, I think he's going to be a good pro because just go up and get it. Notre Dame, like he gets a catch 52 yards, finish the game. 52 yards. Like, are you serious? Yeah. You're not throwing him the ball? Okay. Shh. Don't tell anybody that Nico's on the field. Do you think the Harbaugh situation will come down to either him or Ward Manuel just swallowing their pride? And what I mean by that is maybe Jim walks away saying maybe they're better off with somebody else or Ward swallowing his pride and saying, Jim, we got to let you go. Like, is I it think- almost like a, like a staring contest and one is just waiting for the other to react? Man, what's crazy is that neither of those seem very likely, and that just, I it just, it blows, it just baffles me. I just don't know how, you know, in year seven you can be asking those questions when you look at the, at the results and the shortcomings, and like we, you know, if you want to get more specific to the to the production on the field, I just put a story up today actually about exactly what you were just talking about, the Nico Collins stuff and his lack of production. At Michigan, he was the he was the uh, of all wide receivers drafted. He was the third highest in percentage of catches twenty yards or more down the field. Meaning, he twenty percent of the catches that he made at Michigan were more than twenty yards down the field. He just didn't get to do it hardly ever. The other guys on that list were Jamar Chase, uh, Deami Brown, Tutu Atwell, and um, the fifth name is escaping me. But but the the point is, oh, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, he's pretty good. I heard too. they're pretty good. Uh, all those guys had seasons of 50, 60, 70 catches, 11, 12, 1,300 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Nico Collins never caught 40 balls in a season, never even got close to 1,000 yards, and never had double-digit touchdowns. I mean, that's criminal. That, yeah. that's, that's criminal. He averaged 2.7 catches per game during his career. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it blew me away when I, I found out. I don't know out, what else to say. Yeah, when, when Donovan, Donovan People-Jones never had a 100-yard game at Michigan. Yep. That also blows my mind. But never. you would see Nico Collins play. He would just be dominating. Then you don't see the ball go to And it, it would blow my He was the best first-quarter wide receiver I've ever seen in my life. But there would be games where you throw it. He was the closest thing to Braylon Edwards at Michigan going up and getting the ball that I've seen since Braylon was there. And then they just wouldn't use them. You know what? It, it's the equivalent of uh, when, when when Urban Meyer was at uh, Ohio State and Michigan State beat them, and they ran Zeke Elliott yeah. like ten times that day. But is that a byproduct of Josh Gaddis's offense? I don't know what Josh Gaddis's offense is. <laughs> to be honest, I, I really space, don't. I mean, man. <laughs> I mean, he got there. He got there, and the offense was okay. The next year it was worse, and last year it was worse. So, I, I mean, you know, the running back rotation was really bizarre last year. You'd see, you know, you'd see Hassan Haskins have, you know, at one drive where he'd have 50, 60 yards, cap it with a touchdown, and then he wouldn't carry it again for a quarter and a half. And, I mean, you just talked about – we just talked about Nico Collins. I mean, like, I'm not saying I know everything there is to know about college football, but – it's not that hard to realize, like, that guy we have is real good. Let's, like, beat the dead horse. Just, I mean, yeah. throw well, it to him. Here's throw the thing. If I'm a Wolverine fan, I think I would have probably been upset. Just in that Michigan-Michigan State game, when you're driving down the field and then all of a sudden you run the uh, halfback wildcat. wildcat jump ball option, it's like, why not leave your big quarterback in the game and, and let him do that and possibly score so – I, I I I can see how that would be frustrating. So, um, real quick before we wrap this stuff up, have you done the prediction game on this upcoming season yet? I have, man, and I I I still do, like as a person who covered recruiting exclusively for seven eight years, I I know that Michigan has more talent than 
just about everybody in the Big Ten except for Ohio State. I mean, you could you're, you could start getting into into development and and uh, and what guys become once they're at the program. So then you can talk about Penn State and you can talk about Wisconsin and you can talk about Iowa maybe and. Last year, at least, Indiana looked like they had some players that could play and start at Michigan. But, I mean, on paper, Michigan should have more talent than everybody not named Ohio State. So it's still hard for me to say, like, Come yeah, on, they man. could probably you can do lose. It. They, you can do it. <laughs> it's still hard to say, like, they could probably lose to Maryland because I just don't think they should, uh, even though they probably have the better quarterback and they've done some better things on the recruiting trail. So long answer to a short answer, I have them at 7-5. and five. But, I, I mean, worse than that is, is very, very possible. I mean, very possible. When you look at how they lost the four games they lost last year and that one of their two losses was in triple overtime against Rutgers, I mean, there ain't no telling what this, what this season could look like because well, you've got a bunch of new coaches yeah. doing new stuff, you've got no quarterback yet, and you've got no O-line yet. So that's, that's not a great recipe for success. Yeah, talking with Brandon Brown, yeah, honestly, I said Greg Schiano should have been fired because he ran that trick play one play too late. If he runs that trick play, what, in the second overtime or third overtime, they win. They walk off the field and they win. All right, Brandon, uh, a little more serious topic than just wins and losses. Also, the uh, the, the independent report comes out on, on Dr. Anderson. And, and I guess for Michigan, I mean, it's – it's it's unfortunate because now they catapult themselves into the same categories as Ohio State, Michigan State, Baylor, Penn State, where some very unscrupulous things happen on their campus through some of their people. It come, We come to find out, I guess the question I'm going to ask you, we come to find out that it appears that Bo Schembechler knew. He's got the statue out front. He's got the name on the football building. Penn State, 10 days after their report came out, took down the Joe Pa statue. Do you think Michigan's taking down the statue of Bo and changing the name on the building? Uh, I don't know if they will, but they should. Uh, they, they should. I mean, I'm probably not the best person to ask this because, again, I'll, I'll refer to my age. Like, Bo Schembechler coached his last game when I was five. So I don't – I mean, I don't really care about what he – I don't care. I don't hold – I think I think people my age, like right around 35, 38, is like a pretty good dividing line. People my age and younger probably have no, I mean, frankly, don't care about Bo Schembechler. Like they really just, I mean, I don't remember him at all. I don't have one memory of, of him at all. People older than me, it's very different. But at the, at the end of the day, what happened was disgusting. It was terrible. It was awful, deplorable, whatever adjective you want to use. And he knew. So... To me, you just wipe them out. I mean, I, and it, I wouldn't bat an eye about it. I wouldn't lose one ounce of sleep over it. I don't really even think it's, like, that big of a deal. There's just going to be a huge group of people who don't feel that way, and one of them is the head coach right now, and that's a problem. I mean, I, I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh is going to defend what happened or defend Bo Schembechler in, in this specific case, but, I mean, he loves that man. And, and like, I thought about this a lot yesterday when the report came out. It's like, you know, if you have your parents – and they've been good parents to you your whole life, but you found out that they did something that was pretty, that was gross and messed up and illegal and whatever, whatever. Like, you're not just going to suddenly stop loving them or caring about them as a person. You can really dislike what happened or really oppose what they did. So I, it's, it's like a weird thing for, for people like Harbaugh, who have a very close personal relationship with him and all those memories. But at the end of the day, I mean, like, it was just a horrible thing. And you have, there have to be some, consequences and repercussions for that so to me statue's gone rename the rename the, the building those who stay will be champions first of all hasn't been true in a long time so you can wipe that off wherever it's at the team to team to team like i don't know i kind of like that saying and it's not like Bo schembechler invented teamwork so whatever but but again long answer to a short answer i think all that stuff needs needs to be done um i don't know if there's a if, if there's an appropriate time range or whatever i mean but i just think it eventually at some point that has to be the step in the right direction do you think that either ward manual or jim harbaugh will come out and talk about it like actually maybe share experiences or just talk about it in general unless they have in the last hour and a half i don't know but do you think we'll hear from them at all because i know it's kind of been just through press releases and stuff I I don't know. I mean, Michigan is just not. 
<laughs> they're not good at that kind of thing. I mean, you know, when, when Harbaugh was going through the month and a half or whatever it was waiting for or when everybody was waiting to see if he was going to sign his extension, I mean, nobody said anything. I mean, he, you know, Coach Harbaugh used to be really active on Twitter. He could have come out and just put one, just fire off one tweet and and then everybody's cool with whatever ends up happening. Or if Ward Manuel would have stepped in front of a quick video and just put something out. But they didn't do anything. And so everybody was just kind of speculating, waiting, wondering. And this is obviously, I mean, it's, it's, not, even, it's not even comparable with how serious this is versus something like that. So, I mean, shoot, if, if they don't, He's going to get bombarded by at his first media availability in the fall. Um, I think it, I think they should. I think they absolutely should try to get out in front of it, say something, address it, say what the plan is. You know, talk about what they've learned and what what they've heard and what what needs to happen moving forward. I mean, like ultimately, they don't have much of a hand in what's going to happen with the with the legal side of things or the. The, uh, the 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 lawsuits or the payouts or whatever the victim like they're not going to have anything to do with that but they still should talk about it I mean absolutely they should they both played for the guy they both they're both still actively involved with the football program I think they absolutely need to say something about it but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they don't now if they don't I'm trying to word this the right way because this is such a serious topic is if they don't do you does it and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you feel like they're kind of hiding something, or is it almost where if they do talk, it's a lose-lose? And what I mean by that, if you defend, I never saw that, I don't believe Bo would have done something like that, so on and so forth, because it is kind of a hearsay case with both parties being deceased, but is it kind of a lose-lose for them? Because I'm trying to look at it from just an objective angle to say, but if they come out and they say, yes, this was awful, it was deplorable, we can't have anything like that, I think they would win a lot of people over. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's tough, it's right? Why, it, it's why bad stuff is bad stuff. I mean, right. I, you know, it, it just is what it is. It's, they're, if it's lose-lose, then it's lose-lose. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has, has you know, just – glowed about about Bo in the past. He's got a big, a giant picture of him and Bo in his he office. He dresses up was, like him every Saturday. He does a lot of things just like him. I mean, so, you know, yeah, the skinny block M hat. It's all like that, cosplay. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I, I understand that Jim Harbaugh is not going to view Bo Schembechler, the person or the mentor or the coach, like people who were affected by these horrendous acts, but I—that's such a hard question. It really is because I—I I don't think that they're, you know, if they—it's it, just got to be the truth. I mean, if they knew, they have to say they knew. If they didn't know, then you say you didn't know, and you—you let it—you let it fall how it falls. But I, I do think that I, I do think that something needs to be said. I think it's going to look really bad if they go, if it, if they're quiet on this thing until until August when the when the media availabilities become mandatory. Brandon, appreciate you uh, taking some time out your busy schedule, especially from the uh, that little one that uh, you're raising. I guess I, I can't wait to see the scouting report on him in his 40 times in right. 17 years. <laughs> 417. Right. <laughs> uh, Brandon, how, how, how can people find your stuff? Yeah, man, thanks. You can go to wolverinedigest.com. Uh, BSB underscore Wolverine on Twitter, and that's pretty much about it. That's pretty much about it. I mean, both, everything that we do is on the website, WolverineDigest.com, or you can go to Sports Illustrated and click on the Michigan page. It'll take you there. Um, so, yeah, just trying to, you know, Rico, you know, it's a little, little I mean, last couple of days hasn't been thin, but you start to get into May, June, July, stuff gets a little thin, but we're still trying to pump out, you know, three to four content pieces a day, and obviously when the fall gets rolling around, we'll be really ramped up and, getting after it and being even more busy so we'll see we'll see how that goes and speaking of my little one i'm thinking basketball my wife was a college basketball player he's like he's off the charts already for his height he's like greater than 99.9 percentile looks like he's going to be a lefty we're leaning basketball right now nice Hmm. well i'm glad you brought up basketball because i have to ask (laughs) a selfish question right about michigan basketball um hunter dickinson is there zero way that he's going to try to test the NBA waters this year. For what? 
Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't. No, the reason I ask this is is all three of us know his position does not exist in the NBA today. So is there that much of a an escalator up for him? Or is this his ceiling? I mean, he's a great college player. He's great. And I just ask yeah. that because unless he develops an outside shot. Look, I'm not Brandon. I'm, I think he's going to be the next Luka Garza. He's going to set all types of records at Michigan in his four years. Well, And th- that's awesome. Way. There's nothing right. wrong with that at all. But I know every young man's dream that goes and plays D1 basketball is the NBA. And that's the only reason. I ask it selfishly because when I first saw him play, I'm like, that's an NBA player. Now, as the season went on, I was like, well, maybe he's reading his own press clippings. I don't know. But it that's I'm curious. I mean, I've been dreaming that Halle Berry's going to be there when I open up the door every night, but she's not. Go look out that window, Rico. She's right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, yeah, Brandon. <laughs> I, you know, I think he's I, – I think he is an NBA player, but he's not an early entry NBA player. Okay. I think he'll stay at Michigan – you know, it's just it's just so it's just so much more common now for guys to go probably before they should, and so I don't think he goes this year. I don't think I think okay. the chance is zero this year. I think next year he'll he'll seriously look at what the NBA looks like, what you know, what his draft stock might be. If you, I mean, if you watch his high school tapes, and I know it's high school, that's not college, and that's certainly not the NBA, but he can shoot it from the outside. He didn't have to do it at all at Michigan this year. He really needs to work on his right hand. He has to get a little bit stronger. He has to be more comfortable in pick and pop. He's got to be able to knock down a 20-footer and maybe even a three-pointer. He's not – He, yeah, his position, the the true back-to-the-basket back center is just not really a thing in the NBA anymore. But, I mean, you know, he can be like a – he can be like a Lopez brother. I mean, those guys aren't like high-flying athletic centers that, you know, they can step out and shoot it a little bit. Um, or like you know, a Plumlee even. Yeah, I mean, Plumlee's a little bit more athletic, a little smaller, a little bit more up and down the floor. But I, he, he's, he's skilled enough as a true freshman to develop over the next year or two to play in the NBA. And I think he's got enough coordination, ball handling, outside range where he could he could fit in today's NBA. I don't think he shouldn't leave early, which he might end up doing after next season or you know whenever that whenever that comes, but I think he's an NBA player. I think he I think he has what it takes to play in the NBA. Um but he's not a lottery pick, he's not an early entry guy, but I think eventually that's where he'll that's where he'll be. Brandon, appreciate your time, man. We got to definitely get you back on. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it a lot. And now, this is the second question, Rico. Second question. Uh, you'll be they, happy to know. I, they, Nike sent me this. I, I found this uh, 50% off thing on Twitter, so I went on there and bought a pair of Nikes. I thought about you. Did you? You yeah. know what? I finally got, okay, this is going to be a, a long story. I'm going to make it real short. My wife golfs mm-hmm. as much as I do, but she doesn't wear Nike gear, and it bothers me because that's all I wear. I finally got a pair of Nike golf shoes that she would wear. But my, I was so proud of this, right? I, I got to be honest with you. If, if I had to do like an endorsement, I'd, I'd be an Adidas guy. They're way more comfortable than Nike. We'll, we'll talk off air because <laughs> those are fighting words to me. Actually, you know what? Those Ultra Boosts, they are unbelievably I, the, comfortable the, shoes. The Alpha Bounce. Yep. Unbelievable. But I'd have my own signature shoe line. Since we're talking about this, I'm going to make you give me an answer right now. Is Jim Harbaugh the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines this time next year? I don't think so. Uh, the contract, everything is set up. The buyout drops. I, I think this is the the save face year. This is kind of going to be the farewell tour. And I, I think at the end of the year, he's gone. I, I, there's some things that can expedite the process, but I think playing Ohio State, unless he pulls a rabbit out of a hat and beats Ryan Day in Ohio State, which I, I – I just don't see it happening. He's going to be gone. And and let's face it, if he goes to East Lansing and lose to Mel Tucker and he's 0-2, remember when Rich Rod, I mean, not Rich Rodriguez, but uh, uh, Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke was dead man walking. Yep. After they did that whole uh, stake, when they stuck the stake in the ground and D'Antonio ran up the score, Brady Hoke knew his job was over. Like, you, the soul left his body. And he, I'm just here, guys, for the rest of the season. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. I don't care. I, I think that was dead. The Shane Morris happened like a few weeks yep. later when oh, he's yeah. concussed it and they stuck went. him back into the game. He didn't care. So I, I think that you're probably looking at this time next year, there's going to be a new coach. 
Okay. Well, we're going to make this a parlay question. Who's going to make the call? Is it Jim walks away or he gets fired? I think it's going to be like D'Antonio where he just walks away. Yep. I think one day we're going to find out uh, it's going to be one of those Friday news dumps at 7.30 at night on a Friday. Michigan press conference, Jim Harbaugh walked away. It's like D'Antonio. Yeah. No one knew until the morning of, oh, he's out of here. I was flying to Cancun, landed, and my phone went, and the first person I text was you. Is this real? Yeah. And you said yes, and I'm like, the one day I leave, this happens. You didn't miss much. <laughs> Dude, it. No, I watched it. I watched it. They had a celebration for him at the basketball game. The Izone had like. However many wins he had, like 113. So they were going to hold up banners saying, yeah. you know, 113, thank you, coach. We love you, coach. He said, no, I don't want any of that. Had the ushers gather up. Because, you know, they let them gather up everything. His I didn't in- part. His intro. Yeah. He, like, they were, they wanted to celebrate him. Like, coach, thank you. Nope, don't want it. So right before the game, it was a mad scramble before they let the students in. To scoop all of that stuff up. If you find one, it's a collector's item. Yeah. They, it's right up there with the silver jerseys they were against Duke. You'll never see those things again. Hey, be nice. And, yeah, his intro at halftime lasted longer than his halftime speech. Okay. See, He yeah. literally got up there and pulled a Russell Simmons. Thank you for coming. God bless and good night. <laughs> That's all he said. No, you're right. I, I'm just curious because um, – Jim Harbaugh doesn't have all of that to hang his hat on at Michigan. He doesn't have the Big Ten. He doesn't have the Rose Bowl. He doesn't have the no, CFP. No, what's, what's going to happen is he's going to. But he's a legacy there. He tried. Yeah, I think he tried to get an NFL job, and the NFL said, "We don't want you, Jim." So, well, it kind of goes with what Brandon was saying, where he's like these sixty-five-year-old coaches. Yeah, his maybe his brother creates a position for him. Sure, as a he special goes, analyst. He goes or, to be a special analyst for the Ravens. That's how I see it ending. Okay, that he's going to get some job with the Ravens that he couldn't turn down. And I'm doing air quotes with my fingers. And it's a once in a life opportunity to work right. with my brother. Uh, I've never worked with my so brother important. before. Yeah. And this is going to be great. The Harbaugh brothers were back and blah, blah, blah. So on May 12th of 2022, we will repost this so you can hear it from my man's mouth first. Especially if it happens. For uh, Evan Jenkins, I'm Rico Beard. Thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone.